We're in a series called Ordinary People in a Wrecked World. And I want you to take your outlines out, and I want you at the top of the outline, I want you to write down a young person that's in your life. It may be one of your kids. It may be one of your grandkids. It may be an employee, someone that you supervise, someone younger than you. For me, I could write down a lot of names because I'm at the top, you know, I'm really getting up there. But we're in a series taking a look at how we can be agents of peace. And there's no greater demographic, I think, during the holiday season to be focusing in on children. I know Christmas is about a lot of different things. But when I think of Christmas, I think of kids. And God from heaven above declared peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And that includes children. Our summary sentence for this series is ordinary people empowered by God making a difference together wherever we go. It is about ordinary people. It is not about superstars who are empowered by God because what God calls you to do, he empowers you to do. Making a difference together, God, the church, and ourselves. Wherever we go, there is personal peace, local peace, and there is global peace. God wants us to be peace agents because that is why he came into this world. And today we're gonna take a look at educating the next generation. Take a look at this at Joel chapter one, verse three. Tell your children, he's speaking to parents here, tell your children about these things. Let your children tell their children and let your grandchildren tell their children. God says you and I as parents have a responsibility of uh, passing on what we know to the next generation. Now this is not just true of parents. This is true of everybody. Take a look at Isaiah 38, verse 19. Each generation can make known your faithfulness to the next. What we're gonna look at today is the foundation of education, the five building blocks to help young people grow. I have been using these principles for the last 30 years to help our church grow. And what I want you to know is that you can use these same principles with the young people that are in your life. These five building blocks are knowledge, perspective, convictions, skills, and character. And Jesus modeled all five of these. And these five building blocks of really bringing peace into a child's life answer the big questions. The what, the why, the so what, the how to, and being. And I hope every educator that is in our church, every teacher, every trainer, every supervisor, every parent, every grandparent will take some good notes because this is about how to help young people succeed. And again, you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, well, I don't have any kids in my life. Well, let me ask you this. Do you know of any younger people in your world? Obviously, you do. And so this applies to you. Now, these five building blocks, I call the ABCs of growth. 
And I want you to get that person in mind. I want you to write on your outline that person that you're thinking about. Again, it could be one of your kids, grandkids. It could be someone that you work with. You get them in that person in your mind because this will help you to apply these things. They have shown through studies that the number one factor that makes a difference in a child or a young person's life is a caring adult. Someone who can relate to them. And it doesn't have to be a parent. If there is one caring adult, the likelihood of that younger person succeeding in life dramatically goes up. So let's take a look at these five building blocks. The first one is this. A, acquire knowledge. Take a look at Proverbs 16, 16. It is better, much better, to have wisdom and knowledge than gold and silver. In other words, it's better to have knowledge than to have money. It is better to be smart than to make a lot of money. Now let me ask you this. When you were growing up, maybe you even right now do this. How many, how many of us here have collected things when we were growing up, like baseball cards? Some of those hobbies have, gathered, have continued on into our adulthood. What God is saying here, it's good to collect ideas. It's good to collect knowledge. Take a look at Proverbs 10, verse 14. The wise get all the knowledge they can. Why? Take a look at Proverbs 2, uh, 24, 5. Wisdom brings strength and knowledge gives power. The more you know, the more power you have. I tell our staff all the time, if you want to be a leader, you must be a learner. The moment you stop learning is the moment you stop leading. Learning should be a continuous process. I don't care how old you are. If you want to be a leader and have any kind of influence, you must be a learner. So how do you and I do that with young people so they can be successful? Well, folks, there are a lot of ways. Even some young people have introduced me to some new tools like TED Talks on, on YouTube, okay? You can give them books. If they're young, you can read books to them. You can take them on family outings. You can capture teachable moments. Folks, there are literally hundreds of ways of helping a young person acquire knowledge. But the most important way it's for you to be a continuous learner. You have to be contagious. You have to model it. So how do you do that? By making knowledge attractive. How do you make knowledge attractive? By being approachable. By using humor. By asking good questions. Are you that way? at your workplace? When it comes to your expertise on some subject matter, do you make that subject matter interesting to those who are younger than you so that they would want to learn and be successful? Now, what is the most important knowledge? Well, obviously, it's knowledge of the Lord. Take a look at Proverbs 1, verse 7. Knowledge begins with respect. 
Look at 1 Timothy 6, 21. Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Folks, you can go to school and get all kinds of degrees where they call you Dr. Fahrenheit. You know what I'm talking about? But if you don't know God, you have missed the most important thing in life. That is why Jesus explained to his disciples what God was like. Take a look at John 17, verse six. I showed, I showed what you, the Father, are like to those that you gave me. If you wanna help a young person succeed in life, you need to give them knowledge about who God is. Acquire knowledge. The second way that you help a young person to succeed in life, and I don't care whether they're just a tot, uh, all the way up to a young, let's say millennial, it doesn't matter. The second way is that you broaden their perspective. You broaden their perspective. Now what is perspective? It is simply this, it is seeing life from God's point of view. Now I'm gonna let you know something, that isn't natural for you and I to do that. But if you and I do that, helping a young person to have a a perspective on life that God has, you will help them be successful. You see, knowledge answers the what question. What is happening in our world? Perspective answers the why question. Why is it happening in this world? And the more you and I can get perspective from God's point of view of what is happening, the more successful people will be. So knowledge is the first building block. The second building block is perspective. Take a look at what the Bible says here. Isaiah 55, verse eight. God says this, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. And because we don't think the way God thinks and because we don't work the way God works, oftentimes we get ourselves in problems. We often do the exact opposite of what God would say that we should do. Let me give you some examples God says the way to greatness is by serving other people, not by being served. The way to honor is through humility, not exalting yourself. The way of getting over a hurt in your life is to forgive, not seek revenge. God's perspectives are far too often, or God's perspectives are oftentimes different from ours. And yet the more we can see life from God's perspective, the more successful we'll be. Now, why is that the case? Why why can't we see life from God's perspective the way he does? Well, it's because we are limited by time and space. For the most part, we live in the moment where God lives in eternity. He sees the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. And so as a result, he sees how the pieces fit together where you and I aren't able to. And yet, if I can gain God's perspective, I am going to have more understanding about the life that I live in, and I will be less hurt by life. I will be less confused by life, and I will be less disappointed all because I have God's 
perspective. Take a look at Luke 18, verse 27. Jesus said this, what is impossible from a human perspective is possible with God. Why is that? Because God's got a bigger perspective. Like I said, he can see how all the pieces fit in from way back when to way, to way in the future. You and I may look at Haiti. And by the way, we've, Carl, he, he's a big, he is a minister who goes down to Haiti on his own. He's out selling jewelry for Christmas for the Haiti, Haiti orphans that we have. I'm going to be introducing him in the second, second service. But you might check that out. You might look at Haiti or you might look at Cameroon, or you might look at the Philippines, or you might look at Nigeria where we have been, and you may think this is absolutely impossible. And from a human perspective, guess what? It is, one church discipling, I don't know, thousands of churches in Cameroon. Unbelievable, not with God. God sees things that we don't see. Now one of the benefits of growing older is that your perspective broadens. Would you agree with that? A perspective of a first grader is not the same as a high school student. A high school student's perspective is not the same as a young adult's perspective. A young adult's perspective is not the same as a mature adult's perspective. I mean, can you imagine as a mature adult the changes that you have seen in your lifetime? I can't, I can't even believe it, okay? I mean, when I was growing up, it was a fantasy, Dick Tracy talking on your phone like this, right? Here's my point. Through the years, God has broadened your perspective. And he expects you to use it to reach the next generation. The Bible says perspective gives maturity and young people need maturity and they need your perspective that God is taking you through in life because your perspective may help an individual have an easier time with temptation or how to handle problems or to avoid certain errors in life or how to develop relationships with God and other people. Your perspective is invaluable to younger people. So my question to you is this. How do you get it? How do you get perspective? Two ways. One, you introduce them to the Bible. Take a look at Proverbs 2, verse 6. All wisdom comes from the Lord, and so do common sense and understanding. Jesus did this with his disciples. Take a look at John 17, 14. I have given them your word. Why? Because God's perspective is found in God's word. And when you get into God's word, you're setting people up to prosper. Take a look at Proverbs 16, verse 20. Whoever gives attention to the Lord's word prospers. I want to ask you this. Can you think of a young person in your life that needs to prosper? That needs to get out of the survival mode? 
to get to the success mode, to get the significance mode? I hope so. God would say this, introduce them to the Bible. The second way is introduce them to wise people who have wise perspectives. One of the things that Cheryl and I did is that we were always introducing our children to wise people who had broad perspectives on life. Well, how do you do that, Pastor George? Oh, it's real easy. Show hospitality. Good parents invite people over to sit around the dinner table to discuss different issues. And you will be amazed as you do that through a simple thing of just showing hospitality how your children or your grandchildren will grow in their perspective. Cheryl and I purposefully did this with all three of our boys. Take a look at this verse, Proverbs 13, 20. Spend time with the wise and you will become wise, but the friends of fools will suffer. If you will expose your kids through just Christian hospitality, I'm not talking about entertainment. We're, we're in the holiday season, it's all about entertainment. Come on over, we're having a party. No, I'm talking about hospitality. Hey, come on over, we're having green beans and meatloaf and some mashed potatoes. I'll be lucky if I get that. Cheryl will have vegetables there for me. And I'll eat the green beans. You know what? But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Not this big showcase, but just having people over and having a normal dinner and talking about life. This may be the most important thing I say this morning. The quality of your life will be determined by the quality of your relationships. And you get to choose those. That is why we're gathering the singles in our church and we're gonna start something. Slow, but we're gonna start it. Friendships matter. The third way that you help young people is that you cultivate convictions. You help them to acquire knowledge. You broaden their perspective and then you cultivate convictions because if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And so you've got to cultivate convictions. Now, there is a difference between convictions and opinions. Opinions are what we argue about. Convictions are what we die for. Now, let me ask you this. What are you willing to die for? Have you thought about that? What are you willing to die for? Because until you understand what you're willing to die for, you won't really be able to live. Truly, there ought to be things that, where we say, you know what, I'm willing to go this far, but I'm not going any further. End of statement, period. People who have changed this world, and we're talking world, but the, tru the truth is, is also applicable to an individual. Are those, for good or for bad, are those who may not have been the smartest, they may not have been the prettiest, they may not have been the wealthiest, but they had deep passion and had deep convictions. And as a result, the world has changed. And it is no different for an individual. Unfortunately, most people are controlled not by convictions, but they are controlled by circumstances. 
So I want to ask us a question. What are your four or five top convictions? Do you know them? Now we're talking about reaching the next generation. If you don't know what they are, how could you pass them on? You can't. Convictions move the world. Convictions move individuals. And we need men and women of conviction in this generation that I'm looking at right now so that we can reach the next generation. Does that make sense? Take a look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Keep your eyes open. In other words, have a broad perspective. Look at things. Learn. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute. So how do you help a young person develop convictions? Two ways. You share your convictions passionately and you model your convictions consistently. You first share your convictions passionately. If you're not excited about them, guess what? They won't get excited about them. So when you talk about your convictions, you don't come off like Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh, okay? I guess this is good stuff. No, you say, I know this is right. But most importantly, you model it consistently. In other words, you be what you want them to become. Again, Jesus did this. Take a look at John 17, verse, verse 19. And for their sake, I dedicated myself to you, that is the Father, in order that they too, his, their, his disciples, may be truly dedicated to you. Will you write this down? Seeing convictions build convictions. So let me get honest. If you are a parent, if you are a grandparent, do you want your kids to come to know Jesus? Then they better see you developing a relationship of getting to know Jesus. We get them one hour. You have them all the other time. Do you want to see your kids serving the Lord so that God can exalt them at his time? Then you better be serving the Lord. Do you want your kids to reach their kids in their generation by sharing their faith? Then you better be sharing your faith and they better be seeing it. They better be seeing you have that quiet time. They better be seeing you in the church serving. They better be seeing you share your faith with others around you. Now let me say this. You don't have to be consistent. You don't have to be perfect to be a model. All you have to be is consistent. We all have flops failures in our lives so all we have to be, though, is just to be consistent. And I am praying that you will be a model to the younger people in our church, to the younger people in our student ministry. We ought to have people just signing up to be over there, okay? You don't have young people? Hey, this is the place, okay? You can do it right here at LifePoint Church with our students. 
You could do it right here, right now, with our children at LifePoint Kids. You don't need to go to Nigeria or Cameroon or Haiti, which we do. You can do it right here. And I am praying that you model this. Because I would rather them model you, your kids, the younger people model you than some rock star. Or should I say rap star, okay? The fourth way that you help them develop, the fourth way that you help a young person succeed is you help them develop skills. This answers the how-to question. Knowledge answers the what question. The, the uh, perspective answers the, the why question. Convictions answers the what, uh, so what question. And skills answers the how-to question. You have to have skills in life to succeed. Will you write this down? Exhortation without explanation leads to frustration. Exhortation without explanation leads to frustration. You must show them how to do it. I am a how-to pastor. I seek to be personal and practical. The how-tos, how do you do a Bible study? How do you pray? How do you work with your kids? Because the principles are in God's word. You've got to show people how to, because if you don't, it will leave them frustrated. Now, there are two categories that you need to focus in on. Take a look at Daniel chapter one, verse 17, and we will get into this in February when we take a look at building our faith and building our family's faith. In Daniel 1, 17, God gave these four young men knowledge and skill in both books and life. Notice that there are two categories of learning. There is lear there's learning skills, book skills, and then there are life skills. They are not the same. Both are important, but they are not the same. Some people are book smart and life dumb. You know anyone like that? Some people are book dumb and life smart. Now, both of them are needed. But if I had to choose which one I was gonna focus in on, I would focus in on life skills because that will help them succeed. There are more, there is more to life than just books. There is more to life than just academics. To succeed in life, you have to have various life skills. And there are about nine to 14 different life skills that have been identified. Nature smart, musical smart, number smart, reasoning smart, uh, spatial smart, people smart, body smart, work, uh, word smart, self smart, picture smart, just to name a few. Those are skills that a person needs. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. If the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Will you circle the word skill? It doesn't say determination. It doesn't say dreaming or desires. It says skills makes a person successful. What you and I need in life are skills. 
Because when you have them, it makes things easier. Hard work alone will not guarantee success. So how do you help a young person develop skills? Well, there are three ways. The first one is this. Help them to identify their shape, their spiritual gifts, their hearts, their abilities, their personality, and their experiences in life. We offer a class like that this past fall. We're gonna offer it again in February, okay? We're gonna take a look, and you need to learn this so that you can communicate this to your kids. Help them to identify what they are good at. Take a look at Proverbs 22, verse six. Train a child, will you circle that word train? A child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. That word train means according to their bent. In other words, according to how God has made them. Not how you want to remake them, but how God has made them. Work according to how God has made them. As I would say, work within their shape. The second way is then to help them practice what they are good at. That is why we, this fall, started offering DIYs, do-it-yourself workshops to develop not only your skills in various areas, but that you could take your kids with you to help them understand and acquire some skills. Take a look at this verse in Proverbs 4, 9. Keep putting into practice all you've learned from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. The only way that you develop skills is by doing it again and again and again and again and again. Practice, so to speak, makes perfect. The third thing is that you trust them with responsibilities. You let them do it yourself. One of the things just frustrated the living daylights out of me when my kids were growing up in this school was all the projects that were required for them to graduate. You know what I'm talking about? And I saw my kids struggling to put together something. And I said, you're gonna do this on your own. Now, I may give you a little advice here and there, but it's yours. Then I would go to school and they would show all these things. And you would see things that you know that kid did not do. Where my kid got a B, some other kid got an A. That's not right. And you did not do your child a favor. You let them do it yourself. Jesus did this. Take a look at John 17, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus entrusted them with responsibility to reach the world themselves. Now let me ask you this question. Could Jesus have done a better job himself? Yeah, he'd have done a perfect job, right? But he entrusted the future of the world to them. So this idea, if you want it done right, do it yourself, may be good for you, but it is not good for the next generation. You have got to entrust them with responsibility, even if they fail. And that is true across the board in every professional area. That is true in church. 
Why? Because to trust people with responsibility is to get people to respond. Better said, people respond to responsibility. And like I said earlier, you can do that right here. You don't have to go to Cameroon, although we're gonna take educators there. You can do it right here at LifePoint Kids and LifePoint Students. Now there is one more way to help a young person succeed. And that is this, you help them establish character. You help them to acquire knowledge. That answers the what question. You help them to broaden their perspective. That answers the why question. You help them cultivate convictions. That answers the so what question. Then you help them develop skills. That's the how to question. And then you help them establish character. The first two are about knowing. The second two are about doing. The last one is about being. And God says the most important thing in life is your character. It is what you're gonna take into eternity future. And because it is the most important thing, that is what you focus in on ultimately. Take a look at Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself out into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. You develop your character and you develop their character. Now the, needy, the needed ingredient for that to happen is this, time. When God wants to grow a mushroom, he takes six hours. When he wants to grow an oak tree, he takes 60 years. What do you want to be? You want to be a mushroom or do you want to be an oak tree? Do you want those who are younger than you, whether it be in the workplace or in your home, to be mushrooms or do you want them to be oak trees? Now, I've been pastoring this church for almost 30 years. It's going to be 30 years come March 12th. 2019. I can show you how to grow, but I cannot show you how to grow quickly. Time is the component. Paul talked about this in Galatians 4, 19. My dear children, once again, just like a mother in childbirth, I feel the same kind of pain for you until Christ's nature is formed in you. Now, when your kids are young, it's easier. When they get older, it takes more wisdom to navigate truth around mental roadblocks, to be looking for opportunities, capturing moments to teach truth, of bringing and influencing their friends who influence them. So how do you do this? Well, there are lots and lots of ways, but let me give you two ways. There are some things that you need to protect them from, and there are some things that you don't wanna protect them from. The first is this. You wanna protect them from evil, from trash. 
Take a look at Proverbs 15, verse 14. A wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. Would you agree that there's a lot of trash in this world? Would you agree that, that some of that trash is creeping in to what you would consider PG on TV? I just saw it again, and I'm going, wow. I can't even let my grandkids watch the Hallmark movie, at least at the commercials. No way. Now, I hear some parents say this. Well, I just want to expose my kids to everything so they know what's going on in this world. That's called stupidity. Some people's minds are so open that their brains fall out. You know what I'm talking about? That's stupidity. You protect them from trash. You seek to keep their innocence as long as possible. The second thing that you do is you don't protect them from difficulties. Because character is not built in a vacuum. Character is built through the trials, the tough, difficult things of life. Take a look at Romans chapter 5, verse 4. Endurance builds character, which gives us hope. One of the worst things that you can do for your kids is to bail them out. Every time you bail them out from a difficult situation, you are robbing them of developing their character. Every time you bail them out from a decision that they have made, you are robbing them of developing their character. Will you write this down? Consequences are character building. Studies have been done with parents where they were asked, what would you do different? And 96% of parents say this. If I had to do it over again, I would do less for my kids and let them do more for themselves. Take a look at John 17, 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. There are the two principles. Yes, protect them from evil, but let them experience difficult times in their life because that will develop their character. I am hoping that this message will be used in our life when we leave this place today. Because wherever we go, there is always a younger person, right? And so in summary, I just wanna say this. The number one factor that makes a difference in a child's life, whether they will be successful or not, is a caring adult. And so when you leave here, you go into the LifePoint Kids and you sign up. Or you go over in the student ministry and you sign up because this is in-house and these are our own. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you, God, for the people that you have brought into my life who were far ahead of me, who chose to mentor me, 
who chose to model, who chose to speak truth into my life to help me become what I am today. And I thank you for the opportunities that we have, God, right here within the walls of our church to influence and reach the next generation. God, would you help us to be those who bring peace and hope into their lives by helping them with knowledge, with perspective, with skills, with their character. God, help us. Lord, today when we leave this place, as we go out into the workforce, may our eyes be open. May we see that young professional. And may we, so to speak, take them under our wing. And begin walking with them. For your glory, God, and for their good. God, do this. In your son's name we pray.